Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today we will continue in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, or Peter, as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with 49 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, the stuff of real life. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. And here we are again. Wow. Sounds good. It's not, we're not using the headphones today. This is where the level of technology on the program is increasing as we increase. So this is more natural today. Yes. But the one thing we want to mention is we talk about recover, help people recovering from trauma and difficulty. And I think that's a big part of our work, really. Although we're definitely reaching more people today. And we have a guest. Yes, we do. Yeah. We have a special person, mm-hmm. Haloa Levy. And mm-hmm. Haloa is on staff with us at the Institute. And she is in charge of training and research. And she is also one of Lynn's caregivers, primary mm-hmm. caregivers. Uh, Lynn is Peter's wife. And uh, as if that weren't enough, uh, Haloa is quite a chef. Really, truly, I'm not. I'm not being silly about this. And uh, Peter feels that Haloa's camarones are better than anyone else in town. Now the restaurants <laughs> are going to get mad at me. Oh yes, but it's true. Hers is the, is good, but she copies a lot. Jenny and uh, Haloa go out to eat. And you know what they do? They study what the chefs do. We do. They we study do. it and they dissect it. So not only do I get to eat, <laughs> I get to hear how they're going to try to duplicate what they're or improve what they're eating. Yes. But yes, she does. She did that with the uh, Camarones Cocktailus. Yes. It's better than any restaurant. And uh, But I like other restaurants. Don't take yes, offense. Yes, yes. Yeah. So the next yeah. target is Ayahuasca's Ceviche. Uh, I know. Yeah, that's I very know. good. There's a new restaurant in town of Peruvian and it's excellent. Ayahuasca? Yeah, 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 and we're trying to get Hello to figure out how to do the sauce. <laughs> how is that done? She has not gotten that one I down. Hers are good. I'm sure she's going to get it, but though. they're good. And one of my very good friends, Rogelio, is a, a chef there, and he's good. He would tell you. If you oh, ask good. Him. I yeah. I can talk to He'll him. He'll tell you. I yeah. can yeah. Talk to him. But anyway, we have some very good restaurants in Petaluma that I enjoy. Many of them. We do. And they are very kind to me, and they all love Lynn. So there, I get special. You attention. are a foodie, i got to say. I am a foodie. You are and a foodie. you know what? They treat me so good. Uh, oh, yeah, I can. I just walk in. Yeah, they put the food. They put things right in front of me. And they, they have better memories than I. I mean. And they want to make sure they've done it right and for they you. they do. They're yeah. so sweet. God. <laughs> anyway, uh, yes, I had that today. And it was uh, wonderful. I didn't go to Ohio. Today I went to the wild goat. Mm. And the owner was a friend of mine from New Jersey, Nancy. Yes. And it's a very popular restaurant here in town. Um, and I don't, I haven't eaten there as much. They have the kindest staff who have always been very close to friends with all of us and with Lynn, and they've just been so sweet. Yes. But anyway, we're here for another show. We are. And episode, and uh, we're really glad to have Aloha here. Uh, she's been really behind the scenes with us. She's been very much working with us in many ways, but um, I wanted to bring her more up to speed than she's been. And uh, we had a great opportunity yesterday, which we will definitely talk about because it was a moving 
mm-hmm. experience that we had yesterday with uh, a congregation of Fijian caregivers. And I've got to say, it was a powerful uh, meeting that we had with them. And um, I wanted to lower there, and she was. And I just told her, don't be an expert. These people, we need to f- hear from them. And she was great. And she was wonderful, and they just... Uh, Related to her, and they, we had a good, we we had a good time mm. over a very difficult subject and very difficult work that they do. We all do it, so um, I thought it was a great meeting. Great, we're going to start building new training programs for caregivers on self care, and uh, we have to. F- we've done that for the military. We've done it for VA back east many years ago. We have a whole training manual of it, but this is going to be. We want to customize it to each grouping that we train and uh, one of the things we're learning about is we need to be sensitive to the cultures that they come from because they carry it over in their work and if there's so many Fijian caregivers around uh, we're interviewing them for families that come to us for help from us and I would say primarily most of them are all Fijians yeah. that, that we uh, Quite are a few. interviewing Quite yeah. a few, yeah yep. And so, um, and we have on our, on our team at the Institute we have one Incredible Fijian angel, angel yes, Maritha, mm-hmm. and um, her wonderful husband Peter. He doesn't work for us, but he's around, and we love him. He's another caregiver, but they're very special to us. That's like family. But there, we we're meeting a lot of good people. Um, so we're gonna. I want to talk about that because we we wanted to address them and we wanted to talk about it so we could get the inner input from them on how to fine tune these programs to help them understand that their culture is so much, forgive me, I mean, I love my country. I'll be honest with you, I love America, I'm a great patriot. But one thing that we don't do is we don't build in, in our, on the upbringing of a lot of our families, um, care of the elderly and the sick and the dying. An appreciation mm-hmm. for right. that. Yeah. That's correct. And I'll tell you, Fiji, uh, Fijians do, and so do Haitians, because I have Haitian caregivers in Florida that help my family there, and they do it too. Um, we don't. We yeah. do know some very, all of our caregivers are Americans, and they're incredible. But I don't see that our culture builds that builds that from start. These other cultures do. And that's a great start. Because to them, engaging in this very difficult part of life is just life to them. Mm-hmm. We're, for us, and we talk about that constantly, in our, in our world, and I was talking to a, a lovely older lady yesterday that was there. She said it. Nobody wants to deal with this until it's on top of them. And it's on top of everybody at some point in their life where they're going to be dealing with sickness and, and dying and death. We all are going to. But here, it's a condition of life that we'd rather not even think about, look at, or consider. But that is not true for other cultures. Yeah, um, they they know true. it's part of life. They they deal with it. It's just it's part of the fabric of their existence. Absolutely. Um, and in some ways, that gives them a strength that we don't have. Yeah. But I've also found out since we deal with so many caregivers and from other cultures that there's a, a gaping hole that we are very very experienced at, and that is self care and how to teach it and how important that is to being a true professional. That if you're going to be a real professional, you have to have the, the ability for longevity. You have to have the ability for resilience and, and, going, and ongoing and taking care of yourself so you can 
keep developing your passion and growing. Um, I don't find that's true for many cultures, including the Fijians. And I love many of them. But we had we talked about that yesterday, and they agreed. So we are going to develop training programs of, self, of self-care for caregivers. And this particular congregation is in Petaluma. They were lovely and so gracious to us. Um, and we got to know them, and we got to hear their stories, and we got to see some of the people they take care of. And I got to tell you, it was an ex- it was fulfilling few hours. It was also painful yes. um, to hear what they go through, what they live with, um, and have come to accept as a way of life. Some of it needs to be dealt with differently than they do. A lot of them get sick. A lot of them get injured from just from the distress on top of everything else, and then they eventually get hurt physically. We know about it. I've been hurt. Jenny's been... She thought she was crippled for life. She wasn't. <laughs> but um, I had to correct that. She thought she was. But she can't, she recovered a lot faster than I do. And uh, But it does happen in this work. I mean, we can get hurt. So um, we saw that yesterday, that these yes. folks really are... Uh, tired and worn out and it was very interesting they're lovely people and what was interesting as I was talking to them and at the podium it was pretty informal but I was and then we weren't sure if we were reaching them or not so Jenny stood and came up to the point she does that on occasion and she was going to see if we were going to reach these people I don't know if she did either but um, one of the things she said is as like a testimonial to self-care and she says I'll bet you you don't know who's 73. Or, and I said, one of us up in front here is yeah. in their 70s, and <laughs> yeah. I bet you can't tell that. No, and they didn't. It was and me. I, that kind of piqued their interest. That did it. <laughs> and what, it turned out that a lot of the people there in their 50s, and they look like they're in their 70s and 80s. Yeah. Um, the work is so depleting and so exhausting. These people accept that as a way of life. We're telling them it doesn't have to be that way. It does way. not have to be that way. Yeah, and they also get, they don't always get treated so well. No. Um, but some, many others do. But we've heard, we heard stories. We saw it. We felt it. It was a very moving and powerful time it to was. be with them. It was. And Hello yeah. um, was there with us, and she picked up. She she definitely picked up speed quickly. Very much. And um, what we did was we realized in this particular culture that we had to deal with it on an individual basis, on the individual basis, from what Jenny saw that we went to each table and began to talk to them individually. Mm-hmm. And that was powerful. That's when we began to discover that's the way these folks relate. It's very personal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also they're, they're very uh, open in that way. And um, there's something about the work, and we've talked about it, that strips people to their very core of who they really are. And with this, with this congregation of caregivers, what we found is they've all been, that's where they are. And that's where we relate. And they relate to us. Um, it's not something that comes easily or painlessly. It comes through a lot of sacrifice. Uh, it's a very painful kind of work with incredible, s- serious responsibility. And these people don't run from it. They embrace it. They follow our uh, approach, and that is don't run from these things. If it's if it's there, embrace it and work with it. There is going to be hope, and there is going to be a lot that comes out of it. Well, these folks, you don't have to convince most of them. They know it. And so Steve is um, our producer. i got to really tweak my neck to get these. 
It's not like we have two minutes. But anyway, um, we saw that. And as we related to them individually, not as a big group, then we got some quite a, very moving testimonials. Yeah. And we they, they embraced us as family. And we're not Fijian. Yeah. But they were very sweet. They're very they, warm. Very warm, warm and very giving. Mm-hmm. Yes. They have true servants' hearts. And, um, and I say that in the most acknowledging way. I also saw how wounded they are and how much help they need. Um, and Jenny and I have been interviewing a lot of other Fijian caregivers for other families that are coming to us asking for help. And what we're seeing is, well, uh, we see how wounded a lot of these caregivers are, how depleted and exhausted. And um, we understand now that this this We're getting area, a clearer picture all the a time. A much clearer picture. Not only it, of the caregivers and their side, but also the people who would be uh, needing the care and their families yes. and the situations that that can arise with all of these different uh, relationships and interactions. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. And in our first segment today, uh, and I want to add that we're joined in the studio today by Haloa Levy, who's on staff and also a caregiver. Uh, We uh, began talking about an event, a gathering, that we were able to go to yesterday of a a congregation of Fijian caregivers Mm -hmm. here in Petaluma, here in Mm -hmm. town and began to um, a conversation with them. Uh, we know many of the strengths uh, of Fijian caregivers. We also know some of the ways in which uh, they are uh, needing support and encouragement and uh, some maybe training or information help to be able to keep going in their role as caregivers and to maintain some longevity. Uh, they have the heart and the passion for it, and how can they take better care of themselves? I don't. Yeah, and I. One of the things that I wanted to not even allude to is so much of what we've been talking about on the on the episodes is things to pay attention to as caregivers um, that they had no clue about. Um, most of them, some of them do, but that. Uh, some of the things we talked about, we want to teach, we want to train them to pay attention to. It, this is not a one-shot deal, though. This would be an ongoing kind of supportive service because there's so many things that caregivers go through. As the situations change, they need to work with it and adapt. Um, the clients they work with or the loved ones who are dying or sick, there's so many ups and downs. I can attest to it with Lynn. Um, and it's it's a difficult kind of journey. So we need to help them begin to pay attention to, number one, how exhausting the kind of work it was. As someone said today, you give 100% as a caregiver. Um, You can't expect much back. We're taking care of folks that are going through so much. Um, Most caregivers are very empathetic and sensitive people. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're empaths, the type Mm -hmm. of personality they are. So that makes them more sensitive. 
So the other part that that makes them to is vulnerable to absorbing some of the energy and emotion um, of what their their clients or their family members or whoever they're taking care of are going through. Do I think that they know how to take care of it? I'm not too impressed. They don't. And I'm not sure that they even really recognize that this is happening. I I agree with you. And And I want to back up just a moment because in case someone hasn't really been hearing some of this of what we talked about before, what do you mean by absorbing energy or emotion? Well, it's a good thing, and I hope it doesn't sound too clinical. I think it's when when we're working with folks that are not doing well, and we do. Um, and so do the, so do the, all the caregivers. One of the things is that there is an exchange of energy in, uh, between yourself mm. and the person you're taking care of. It's impossible for it not to happen. Even if you have the finest boundaries, and that does help to have, you still absorb this this energy. And if these folks are going through something where they're dealing with the journey toward dying and death, it's a difficult journey. Um, it's a difficult one to partake in with them, to help them with it. It's also difficult for them. And so the exchange is that you're picking up what they're going through, the, the emotions the of it, the, the experience of it. Of it yes. And we begin to absorb it. It's just the way it is. Um, and after a period of time, it's very exhausting and depleting. It's a, Being a caregiver is a very selfless type of selfish. The This is the opposite. So it's giving 100% of yourself. What we get back is the fulfillment. What we get back is knowing that we're helping someone go through such a difficult time with love and we're giving them nourishment and caring and protection. That's so important. And skills and taking care of them through the different physical needs that they have. But we can't expect the the normal reciprocation of an exchange of relationship. It really can't. So what happens is we're left absorbing the energy, giving a lot. But giving, 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 giving. Giving, giving, giving. Mm-hmm. And at a, at a point, there is emotional exhaustion. What do we, we, what's the other word we call it? Um, um, oh, uh, compassion fatigue. Compassion fatigue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is, a, that is a, a clinical description. And basically, we all have that happen. Mm-hmm. The key really is how to deal with it, mm-hmm. um, how to protect ourselves, how to recover so we can go back to work in much better shape instead of just accumulating this depleted state until we are burned out. And once that happens, the nourishment, the nourishing, the love, the caring seems to disappear. And uh, our our own personal relationships suffer. Uh, we begin to have personal problems. Physical injuries happen. Physical illness happens. Um, and people who are burned out don't want to do the work anymore. They want to. They want to get out. So what we wanted, we want to do is help people to um, diffuse the energy and the depletion that they take on through the work, and restore themselves. Now we're we have so much experience in helping people restore, and to decompress and to discharge the energies that they've absorbed. Um, that we can get them on our get them on their feet feeling better again, get the boundaries back in place, mm-hmm. um, actually through it developing a certain awareness and understanding and of self improvement and growth. Um, we know because we do it all the time. Um, we do it for our own staff. I've been doing it for 
my whole career and this work, we know it works. It does not mean we're not going back to a difficult situation. It means that we'll have our perspective and that we'll be clear for a while. Yeah. So it's teaching people how to do that and also how to pay attention to their body. The body's the reservoir of all this emotional charge, discharge, depletion, exhaustion, uh, trauma. It's traumatic work. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have to be able to be aware of how our bodies are beginning to react. And I, do I think most of the caregivers are? I, I Not the, from what I heard, not at all. Yeah, but you know, though, Peter, I had a chance to talk to a couple of women, Fijian women, yeah. caregivers. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them had been doing work for 21 years, another one for, I think it was 16 or 18 years. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a chance to talk to them about how they take care of themselves. Yeah, yeah. And I was surprised. Um, now, these were women who... Obviously, there's been a lot of experience. Uh, they grew up knowing how to take care of the elderly mm -hmm. or the sick. Mm -hmm. And um, they seem to be aware of their limits and when they needed to take rest. And they, they, tell, they were telling me about how they would take a couple of hours during the day when they knew that they had the chance. They would rest, kind of renew themselves. They talked about how certain situations could make them fairly upset mm -hmm. and angry. Mm -hmm. And they would, you know, cry and and maybe exchange the whole situation with another good friend of theirs so they would and hit the pause button but later on cry with their friend no it would happen very soon after an occurrence this is the way they were describing but it they didn't do it at the time with the client did they or not with the client not with the carry okay, so they did push the pause button yeah and and but they took care of themselves they took mm -hmm. care they realized that there was an emotional mm -hmm. buildup that had occurred mm. and that they needed to be able to let it kind of go mm. and they also talked about how their faith really was such a a uh, basis of... Foundation. A foundation that they were able to go to for the compassion that needed to be there with the caree, the person that they were caring for, uh, the strength that they needed. And I was so impressed with what I heard. Now, this may not be for everybody that is a, a caregiver. But what wouldn't be for every caregiver? They, there may not be all the other caregivers that are recognizing an awareness these and of aware these. of these different no, things. No, I don't think they do because I talked to others. They didn't have that awareness. Okay. So I think with the it, it just depends on the individuals. Yeah. But one of the things we've talked about that you're talking about today is when you do this kind of work, and we're not talking about a religious spirituality necessarily, we're talking about an individual becoming aware of the spiritual element of our existence and boy does it begin to show mm -hmm. in caregiving in, mm -hmm. the, in the sense of knowing that we can only we don't have ultimate control and if we came in thinking we did in this kind of work what we really learn is we don't um, there's certain things we have to come accept that we can't do anything about except make the person more comfortable 
and love them and comfort them as they're progressing in this mm-hmm. journey toward death, dying right. and death. Which to me is an honor to be able to help mm-hmm. somebody through that process. I wanted to ask you, um, Peter's been describing a process of, um, uh, we started with what does it mean to absorb energy, to exchange energy, mm-hmm. to uh, feel depletion, to need to restore yourself. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot, um, because I know this is an issue that you've had to really face and deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You're not the youngest one around. In fact, you I'm were, the oldest. <laughs> you were you were quite a surprise to everyone yesterday when I said that uh, in a in a couple months you'll be 80, mm-hmm. and yet you are one of the strongest caregivers we have inside. Oh, thank you. And so, uh, how have you addressed this issue of being able to uh, not become fatigued and exhausted? How have you taken care of yourself? Can you just share some of that with mm. us? Wow. First of all, it's been a learning experience, and it's been an experience of going through uh, making mistakes and realizing that I was really struggling with myself in caring for, um, for Lynn, who I, who I just dearly love um, and have known. I've known Lynn for, gosh, maybe 40 years. Um, and uh, so I certainly know that in the very beginning, when I first started to take care of Lynn, I can remember telling Peter, this isn't the job that I would have, you know, uh, chosen, but this is what I seem to be, you know, here I am. I'm I'm ready to do it. Um, so we're getting a two-minute Oh, thank you. Hello. I can't keep bending my neck to see that. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so I I kind of struggled. I definitely struggled and and, uh, went through what I would probably call burnout in in the beginning um, because I really wasn't taking care of myself and I didn't have the right attitude. And I did not have an appreciation for what I was doing that I should have had. And so from there, it has been a progression of really appreciating more and more what I'm doing. And I'll tell you, there is a higher power that just begins to kind of take in, takes over and and moves you and... um, I have allowed that to happen. Um, I've had some experiences that were truly remarkable, where it wasn't me. It, it was it was it was God working, and um, I'm so grateful that it came to the this point. And and as far as being able to. Uh, take care of myself, I find that I very often am tired and fatigued, and I really have to just kind of muster up some strength, and I ask for that, (laughs) and it happens. I'm able to go on, and when I come into the presence of Lynn, and I'm there, all of a sudden it's, it's, 
it's almost beyond me. It's it's just happening for me, and mm. I'm. I, I feel like I'm just sort of doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and and I'm so grateful to be doing it for Lynn. Mm. Just so grateful. I can hear your heart. So can I. I can. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. In our last segment, we talked a little more specifically about the um, depletion that can take place for caregivers, physical depletion, emotional depletion, um, and the uh, awareness, the um, dedication it takes to self-care, the um, appreciation for uh, not only physical uh, self-care, but emotional, social, spiritual. There's many aspects mm-hmm. to this. And um, uh, and biologically, your body. Bio- your body, right. And so uh, we are kind of talking through some of these issues. We've seen some people have strengths in one area, some have strengths in others, but every part is essential. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's kind of where we are today. We're going through this. Well, you know, I'm just listening to Hello, and um, she's not describing the change that she's gone through that has been so dramatic. <clears throat> Hello is no caregiving type at all. Um, I, this is just, um, we're acknowledging where she we is love today. Her. We love her. And we she love is her. She's incredible, because I can attest to something I saw her do this week was astounding. But we're talking about a lady that used to be really selfish and self-involved, man. He's Whoa. speaking truth. And man, I mean, <laughs> I know her a long time. Trust me, it's true. If you saw her today, you almost couldn't even recognize that part of her anymore. Yes, may I uh, just look and inject a quote from from Hello this morning. She said, caregiving brings out the best in a person. It can, and it has for Hello. It, it has for her. To. She's changed. This is a testimonial of someone it's never too late to change because she's changing all the time for the better and growing. Her, the way she was in, and the relationship she had and the way she used to be, she's changed dramatically. She's not that way anymore. So anybody who knew her in the old way is going to have a hard time. She's become a different type of person, very selfless, very heartfelt, very genuine. And I witnessed something that she did this week. I will, I got just a bit, brought me to tears. It was so beautiful and so touching. And um, Lynn is at our institute. We have a room and a terrace for her and we take care of her. And um, when I, as much as I can, between clients, I'll go in and just check in. It's, it's my Lynn fix just to see her. <laughs> and uh, whether she's with it or not, as long as she's still breathing, and I can give her a kiss on the forehead or something, I'm okay. Well, anyway, I went in, and uh, I think Lynn was really scared. She was, She yeah. was terrified. Yeah. Nothing was going on, but parts of her brain that are are not doing well They anymore. magnify small things. Yes, she, and she was yeah. terrified. Yeah. And um, 
and it was she needed reassurance. Mm-hmm. But the way you reassure someone in Lynn's state has to be so intuitive, and uh, there's it's, no words don't really do it. Nope, words to, alone. In fact, least. they they won't work a lot yeah, of times. Yeah. And I saw Haloa do the most amazing thing, and that was she related to Lynn where she was, and began to reassure her in a way that melted my heart because Lynn looked at her like a childlike little girl yeah, that mm-hmm. needed to just hear someone let her know it's going to be okay. Everything's going to said. be okay. And Haloa now has that ability to be so heartfelt and intuitive and capable. There's no, dra- there's no drama to it. There can't be any phoniness, and we'll tell you why in a minute, But um, which is a funny thing, but this wasn't funny. It'll, de- it'll demonstrate the difference. Yeah, yes. you'll hear the difference in a minute. But it was so moving to me to see how Lynn listened to Haloa, and it touched Lynn's heart. It's like she was drinking it in. And she just Mm. took it in and gently calmed down. Mm -hmm. And Lynn was so reassured by the love and the tender care and attention and contact that Haloa was making. It was just a gift. It was watching an angel. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the reason this is funny, now we're going to make a joke, folks, but it's Because funny. you've already heard the good side. This is the good side. But um, <laughs> when people have, when they're dealing with dementia, Alzheimer's, and things like that, they don't have filters on anymore. No, they, what they, they think comes right on it. And if they intuitively pick something up, you're going to hear about it. <laughs> and I, I wasn't there, but I heard the story this I morning. I was there. And I mean, it was funny. And... Uh, this is the way Eloy used to be. <laughs> and she used to real, be a real performer and they did whatever it was. And I guess Lynn just looked at her and said, you are such a phony. And, <laughs> and we laughed. Eloy had said something like, oh, everything's going to be just fine. It's like, well, yeah. So. <laughs> and Lynn says, you are a phony. <laughs> there's, no, there's no filters anymore. Oh, no, but no, no. what the, the antithesis is where Eloy is now. Completely and is different. so different from that. Yes, in her genuineness and her connectedness and her selflessness and her caring ways, this is a woman who can love from her heart in ways that I know her a long time. She never had that capacity before. She has it now. She has it now, and it's a beautiful thing to watch. Oh, um, I'm people so who knew her before too. probably would have a hard time <laughs> because she's changed so much and she's not where they are. And where she used to be anymore. So she's kind of in this no man's land of not the way she used to be. She's capable of loving and caring and giving in the most genuine ways. Um, she's changed a lot. And here's a woman who's only almost 80 years old, and she's very healthy also. I, wa- I want to add something, another way that, that I've noticed Haloa mature uh, over the, the time that we've been caring for Lynn. And that is, uh, at first, uh, Haloa would tend to just, out of her heart, say, I can do that. I can do that. I'll help with that. I can do that. Let me do that. To the point where she would overcommit, get herself exhausted, and would could go to the point of starting to be resentful and uh, fatigued. And there are times when I would say to her, Haloa, don't volunteer for that. It's it's more than I think you should be taking on right now. And she didn't always hear me. Mm-hmm. And I will acknowledge that Haloa has become so much better at being realistic about some of the limitations that have come into her life as she's aged. Mm. She knows 
what is most important, and she's right there. But she also has a little bit more of an appreciation for how to physically take care of herself. Mm. She hasn't always liked to exercise. <laughs> and uh, hasn't, she always, hasn't always liked to. She hasn't always been willing to. Trust me. She's hated it. And I'm like a, a trainer all 24-7. <laughs> yeah. So it didn't always go well. well. Yeah. And, and just some of these, she takes time now for that. And that's a good move. It just some things like that. I know it's been hard for you to, that's the side. Another side that's been hard for you to kind of have to face. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yep, this the whole journey of of um I think caregiving has really been a challenge for sure. And uh there've been many real real struggles and that I know I've had to really overcome and work through. And um I'm very grateful that I am where I am today. And I appreciate the acknowledgement. That is means a lot to me. I I feel like uh, it, you know, I know I used to always get a big head anytime anybody would give me compliments, or it would always go to that place of, oh boy, well it's it's done. It's you know I don't have to worry about that one anymore. <laughs> Very realistic. I don't, I don't feel that way. I don't feel that way at all anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. I know this is a constant challenge, Mm -hmm. and it's something that is, I have to constantly work on and with. Uh, But I'm very grateful that I've been able to get to the place where I am today and, and be able to truly love from my heart and feel it and I think you you were describing that situation that occurred I think it was last week with Lynn Mm -hmm. I love that connection that I can make with Lynn Mm -hmm. and there is a connect it's beyond even a um, just making a a connection with a person this this is something that just goes way beyond this as I said, it was it was a spiritual connection. There is a spiritual element to that kind of connection, particularly oh. with folks that are mm-hmm. going through such difficulty. It's it, it's interesting listening to you because uh, <clears throat> I spoke to a lot of Fijian caregivers yesterday, and I heard the struggles mm. that they shared with me of what they go through. Mm-hmm. And there, it was interesting. I was talking to one fellow, and he was the person he takes care of used to be a doctor at UCSF. A uh, very head of a department, actually, who's now got late stages of dementia and Alzheimer's. Mm. And it was an interesting thing because as this Fijian man is talking to me, um, and he's talking, you know, we were just talking, I saw him just reach over and hold his his client's hand mm-hmm. in such a gentle way, mm-hmm. not compl- the whole time, but he just would intuitively pick up. Mm-hmm. And this man that we're talking about that was in the wheelchair, he was gone. He couldn't talk anymore. It was it was like I didn't see him make any connection with anybody. But He his, felt it, I'm his sure. His Fijian caregiver felt it. Yeah. And while we're talking, he didn't even stop talking. He just reached over and held the man's hand. 
it was really it touched me deeply oh, yeah. and he knew how long to do it for he knew mm-hmm. that it wasn't this wasn't a long drawn out but just to reassure yeah. and then the the his client didn't need it anymore and he just gently put it down I saw that in many forms and heard about that in many forms during this this few hours we were with these folks yesterday mm-hmm. I was touched they do it with such an intuitive caring ability it's very natural it for them it is yeah. and even though they were telling me about what they go through and the struggles they face mm-hmm. and the difficulties and the burdens I saw them still be caregiving, mm-hmm. caregivers, and I loved it. I thought it was so beautiful to watch, but I it, it touched me too. Um, a couple of them brought their 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 client to this this gathering, and uh, and it, this fellow, by the way, was talking to me about this doctor who's taking care of, him, and he says. You know, I just know he needs to get out. It's good for him to be, even if it doesn't look like he's with anybody or he's with it, just to be out with us and just to be able to just partake somehow seems to do a lot for him. And he was right. I met another lady who's also being taken care of, and she just got out of the hospital, a lovely lady. Um, Same thing, the love that was being shown to her and uh, the caring and the attentiveness, but it was so natural. It was almost like a companion and a caregiver. It was beautiful to watch. And it gave me a chance to talk to her of what she's been through. And she said, I just lost my, I lost my husband three years ago. And now she says, I never thought this would happen to me. I've always been really healthy. Mm-hmm. She says, I'm active. She was a lovely lady. And she says, all of a sudden, I'm in the hospital and so many things are going wrong with me. And I know I'm... Mm-hmm. I'm losing around quickly. And these fo- these folks that stay with me 24-7, they take care of me. And she says, I know I need it, but I still can't believe this is absolutely happening to me. And she said to me, you know, in our culture, until these things are on top of you, so many people are like her. She says, so many people are like me. We don't want to even admit that this could happen. Yeah. And she says, it happens to all of us. And here I am. I think she was 83. And she said, it's happening to me now. And she says, but this time, she didn't say, but, and I have such good care mm-hmm. by these folks. And they were there, and they were so, they didn't interfere. They just, they were just there with her. And they were lovely and sweet and caring for her. Mm-hmm. But she said she's a very sick woman. And a lot of things, she just got to the hospital, a lot of things are beginning to fail physically. Well, we, I, well let's let's return to to the uh, the experience we all had yesterday, uh, but first uh, you've been listening to the I Survivor's to Guide that. to Life on KPCA Petaluma one hundred three point three FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Uh, we've been talking about um, some of the the most uh, significant and touching aspects of being a caregiver mm-hmm. and uh, the ability to come into someone's life who needs care and to be selfless and to be able to give 
and at the same time to know that at some point we're also caregivers need to take care of themselves. Right. And um, we're kind of talking our way around many aspects of this, physical, biological, social, spiritual. Uh, we're specifically been talking about uh, an experience we all had yesterday when we met with a group of Fijian caregivers. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing we talked about this morning that we haven't touched on, and I'll just bring up in case we do want to, mm-hmm. is the variety, the incredible variety of caregiving experiences for caregivers uh, and for the families uh, that that would bring them into their home, uh, the different roles that, that take place, the different expectations, the different issues that arise, all of those kinds of things that, that uh, we did spend some time yesterday talking about. Specifically, I, I, I know, but what, I want to know what you're, frame, you're framing this, but what do you... I know, it's kind of a jump. You're right. No, 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 it's not a jump, but what are you referring to? We were talking about how uh, the need for caregivers uh, is growing, uh, and some people who need uh, to bring a caregiver into their home for their spouse or a loved one appreciate the caregivers. Um, Some of them uh, themselves have been a caregiver so long that they get burned out, and they can be critical of the caregiver that comes into the home. Some family members want nothing to do with caregiving, and they want out. Uh, some families don't want to caregiver because they want their privacy, and they will stay caring for their loved one until they may pass away first. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked very high percentage. Very high percentage. We also um, talked about caregivers, and particularly since we were talking to Fijians, we heard some things that I, they broke my heart about how the kind of um, disregard, uh, exploitation, or abuse that some caregivers can receive, uh, or they are left on their own uh, because families want out, or they're hyper-supervised by a controlling family member. Um, We just talked about how we can't assume one type of situation. There are so many different facets to this. Okay, that's what I thought you were talking about. It's true. Now, you and I have been dealing with an awful lot of placements for caregivers. We're not an agency. We're not doing it that way. But... um, And we've run into... The truth is we've run into trouble with caregivers, too. Um, And some are just gifts. Our team... We've fortunately we're putting together some a really good gathering, really good people as caregivers. But we've run into plenty who aren't, and we've uh, you know we had to deal with it because they don't show up for work, they don't call, they let people down, they find that they they're so focused on money that they'll go wherever the money is and they'll leave people. We have and that's been mostly for Fijians also, so that's been tough on us. Um, because we're so connected with the folks that need help that to let them down, we take that very, very uh, heartfelt and very seriously. So when we get a caregiver that doesn't come through, we take that personally. We, we don't do, like yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm not the most tolerant, wonderful person about that because it really bothers me that anybody could do that. We run, plenty, run up against that too. So we spend a lot of time sorting this out the best we can. But... There's another element to it that we've also run into, and that's the one you're talking about, that a lot of these families under such distress um, in one manner or another, some of them that you're talking about, that by the time they do accept a caregiver many times, they are so angry 
and resentful and exhausted that they take it out on the caregivers. I've seen that, and they treat them terribly. And I know uh, I, I was in one a group of families that needed it, and I was listening to them, and they were talking about uh, their attitudes about caregiving. And I remember going, and we had a couple of caregivers lined up for other people. And I'm thinking, I wouldn't send a caregiver over there for anything. They're going to abuse the heck out of them, which they, not for our folks, but others that went in, that's exactly what they did. And the folks either, their caregivers either quit or they were fired. And if you heard about why they were fired, you couldn't believe it. It's That does happen. So the shape that the families are in through their exhaustion, through the way they, the dysfunction that was there before this. Before this situation arose. Right. And That's we're right. running into that too. Um, and it makes it more difficult, as we know. The matching up is a tough job. Um, and we're not an agency. We're not professional in that regard. Um, but we want to find some good people that we trust. If somebody asks us for help, we're going to find that, get the help for them. But we are finding that it's, there's all kinds of sides to this thing. But when these families are under such distress, it makes for a caregiver to go in. It's tough. They're going into some tough situations. Now, the other part of it is sometimes they go in and they are so appreciated and loved, they become family. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yeah. they are so appreciated mm-hmm. and and embraced. I've seen that too. Mm-hmm. And that's a lovely thing to watch. So I've seen plenty of that. Yeah. But we've also seen the others. We've seen where the minute they bring the caregiver in, the family disappears and they go, he's in your hands now. I really don't want anything to do. He's too difficult and they're out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen that too and that's that's not the prettiest picture. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing, I think Hello was telling us with some of the vignettes of what she heard yesterday and I was thinking and I said that's only one or two Mm -hmm. when you see the variety of difficult situations that these people are in Mm. and face it's you're learning and you're only you can't even generalize off of what you saw because other situations are so dramatically Mm. different so we're seeing that too no matter what though the bottom line is the level of distress and pain is enormous. We're talking about the part of life that at least we as Americans are having to face more and more. Um, that is the one. That's the part of life none of us want to even admit to. Where and whatever, we've never been exposed to it, at, or we've never been really trained. It's from not the been beginning. Part, that's right. It wasn't part of our yeah. upbringing. It wasn't part of our culture. Not for everybody, but most a lot of compared people. to other cultures that it's just part of life but yeah. what we're seeing is that in this part of life it is a tough time for everybody um we're helping a loved one with terrible sicknesses and terminal illnesses and we're watching the ups and downs and we have to figure out what to do and how to respond and what works today doesn't work tomorrow and there's so many things um the whole the whole situation itself is traumatic and yet you got to live is. with it yeah. one day at a time. you got to do the best you can each day. We're looking at this and we're going, this is the tough stuff in life that we are embracing. Nobody says it's wonderful. We're saying it's, it's dark. It's difficult. Here's the thing. We're also finding it can be a time of such fulfillment and change and growth and hope not necessarily for the medical situation that's not hopeful, but for all the other things that come out of it. It's it's a very it's a very um, it's been a very revealing process for me because 
uh, I have felt so challenged, and and yet I have become a better person as no, a result of right. all of these challenges that's that I've right. had to face, and they have been such very grounding, serious <laughs> challenges. Yeah. And yet, you know what? I want to go back to something I heard from Tipa Snow when we went to her presentation in Santa Rosa. She's one and of the Tipa is a, an expert on dementia care. And yeah, Alzheimer's. and Alzheimer's. And, and she made a comment and continued to express this throughout her presentation was that inside this person that you are look that you're caring for that has become very ill there is still that old person there and that old person needs to be respected mm-hmm. that that person still comes out in little ways she gave mm-hmm. dementia and alzheimer's a dignity mm-hmm. that i really could see and felt mm-hmm. and how really important that is to remember because these people in their very you know in their ways know that this something is going on yeah. with them I know. and yet every once in a while i see the old lynn come out you know and it's just so i, I love to see it and uh i know we all see it every once in a while i know you do too jenny i do too and the other thing that that what you're saying reminds me of is not only is lynn uh we had talked about how lynn um because of her brain deterioration is uh, fear small things become magnified she is also very sensitive to so open to love oh yes she feels all the emotions so intensely she knows when you love her she feels it she takes it in and um it's being with her for me is a reminder of what matters most Mm -hmm. because for her she her life has come to the place of what matters most Mm -hmm. and it's so clear that love her love for for you peter Mm -hmm. her uh her gratitude for her, for her relationship with God and her her gratitude for what the good things that are still in her life. Yes. It's just like she ha- we have been stripped as caregivers, she has been stripped as as uh going through this process of dementia and you vividly see what is essential in life. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I am touched because I love Lynn so much. A lot of the things you're seeing, I've always seen, and it's been part of my life with her. I don't know if she showed it to everybody, but you're seeing it now because there's no, yes. there's no facade, there's no social, no defenses, nothing. no uh, so nothing. So you're seeing it, and when I see what her needs are, how you have to relate to her, and I saw Haloa do it last week, and it was right to the core of where Lynn was, and Lynn. Her love, her childlike mm-hmm. love and need for reassurance was right there. Mm-hmm. And Haloa was right there with her. It was a beautiful connection. I've seen that in Lynn a lot. Mm. Um, that's the part that touches my heart. See, I do see that in her. Um, and it, it's something that I don't want to let go of. I'll be honest with you. Um, I know that even in this state that Lynn's going through, 
she's an inspiration to a lot of people and you're talking about it today she's oh, touched yeah. a lot of people in people in town they just are watching this whole process and i'm telling you they're almost afraid to ask me how she is because they were trying to be sensitive to me. Yeah. But she touched a lot of people's lives with such love. And she had a quiet strength about her. And now it's it's there during probably the most challenging time of her life. So it it touches all of us. It's we all love her. And yeah. I just I appreciate being able to be a part of watching you and Lynn share that together mm, yeah. and to uh, it, it's taught me a lot mm. it's taught me a great deal about this is as Peter was saying this is part this is the hopeful part uh, of caregiving mm-hmm. the opportunity for change and mm-hmm. growth and a deepening mm-hmm. and a drawing out of who we have been meant to be and I, I we're near the end of our broadcast and I want to thank Haloa for being our guest today, and thank you. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson. If you'd like to know more about our show or Dr. Bernstein, please visit our website at thesurvivorsguidetolife.com. Thank you for listening.